Hello, and welcome to the Rage of Story of Survival podcast, hosted by me, Dane Green. This is episode 17, where we will be reading chapter 17. Chapter 17, Brian, August 18th. It was only this morning that I woke up happy and full of hope, the person I loved most in all the world sleeping in my arms. How did I not realize that things could change at the flip of a coin? I was foolish to believe I could find any lasting happiness in this hellish world. Why didn't I realize that any joy I found could just as easily be lost? My presumption that our luck would last was idiotic, and I can see that now. Dawn shifts in my arms, and I remember what I have to do. Brian, she says, I'm not ready. I don't want to die. Not now. Why now? Six months ago, I could have, but now I finally found a reason to live. Every word she speaks lashes out against me like a whip. My heart hurts, and there's a knot in my throat. The seconds tick by, and I know I'm that much closer to losing her, and that much closer to having to say goodbye. She begs me to live, but there's no way I can fulfill her wish. If I could give my life for hers, I would. The others gave us privacy, but I know they didn't want to do what I must. No one wants to end the lives of their friends or loved ones. Even so, I can't forget or forgive what I saw on my friends' faces when they saw the bite on Dawn. Their faces showed sadness and sympathy, but also fear. Before the power went out, I had no purpose, and even after the power went out, I had no purpose. Not until after the outbreak did I finally start living for myself. I stopped being a slave to my parents' fears and found that my life was better under my own control. The freedom I found was the sweetest thing I'd ever experienced until Dawn came into my life. She made the purpose of my life clear, or so I thought. Without her, I'm not sure what to do. She stirs, and I force the knot out of my throat. I know, Dawn. I know. But what can I do? I want to save you. I do. But how? Tell me how. My nerves fray, and I realize that I'm starting to break down in panic. My life is collapsing all around me, and I can't think of what to do to stop it. The desperation is thick in my voice, and it's killing me. Don moans in pain, and I'm immediately worried. Without realizing how futile it is, I try to think of ways to lessen her pain, but I remember there's nothing I can do to help her now. She's dying, and I'm worried that she's feeling some pain. Even if it would be a waste to the others, I debate going to Sophia's room and looking for morphine when I hear Don speak. I'm sorry, Brian. I know this can't be easy for you. I forgot that I wasn't the only scared one. I calm down a little when she talks. Brian, can you do something for me? She asks. My anxiety returns. I'm scared to know what she wants from me. Mostly, I'm scared to let her go. I don't want to move past this moment. Even with the fear and anxiety right now, at least I have her in my arms. At least she's still alive. You know I can't say no to you, Don. Especially not now. When Don laughs, I'm shocked. Her laugh is beautiful, though it's the last thing I would expect to hear right now. How could she laugh knowing that she is about to die? If I was in the same situation, I would only feel anger and grief, not joy. 
The laughter goes on, and I can only listen and wait. Yeah, I was kind of counting on that, Brian. I know it's hard, but I want you to spend the next few minutes with me pretending everything's fine. I want our last few minutes together to be happy ones. I don't want your last memories of me to be ones where we're sad, miserable, and scared. There's nothing I can do to stay alive, but I can make sure you'll still want to live after I'm gone. Dawn is putting on a strong face for me, and it hurts. Like always, though, she's right. It would be better to spend the next few minutes enjoying her in my arms. The pain is boiling, but I force it down my throat. It burns as it goes down, but I ignore it and wrap my arms tighter around her. Yeah, let's do that. I force a fake smile, but when I see Don smiling at me, I can't help but to smile back. Don hugs my arm, and we lean back against the wall of one of the many abandoned buildings in town. Even now, as our time runs out, I can't help but feeling happy with Don in my arms. Brian, do you remember that first night we talked how hostile I was towards you? There's no one else in the world that could have charmed me as fast as you did. I don't know what it is about you, but I swear, after that first night, I would have followed you to the ends of the world. As I remember the night, I smile. Don had just joined the group, and we were on watch together. Before that night, I thought nothing of her. Somehow, we understood each other, and before the end of that night, we were in love. It only took two hours for me to become closer to her than any other person I'd known before. She's wrong about me charming her, though. Words were never something I was good at, and I was a pretty big fool that night. By some miracle, though, she understood who I was, or rather, she understood how I thought. She made me want to open up to her. Never before had I felt the desire to let someone know who I was. Before the night ended, we both knew each other's life story and more. Don learned my insecurities and desires, and I knew hers. We fell in love before either of us had a chance to realize what was going on. When I think about it, I suppose we charmed each other somehow. After that first night, I knew I'd do anything to spend my life with you. I'd never been so sure of anything in my life, not until that moment. Her words fill me with happiness, until I remember that her life is almost over, and I have to pause to regain my strength. My eyes burn, and I have to force back tears. She won't hear me cry not in her last minutes. I try to distract myself with happy thoughts and happy memories. How about the day I taught you to shoot a gun? You were so afraid. Remember how you shook and how you were scared you might hurt one of us? You always acted tough in front of everyone. You never acted like that with me. I'm glad I got to see a different side of you. When I look at Dawn, I hope to see a smile, but I notice her skin becoming paler. When I stroke her head, hair comes out in my hands. Even so, her smile tells me she's happy. It's so beautiful and I capture it in my mind, never wanting to forget it. Yeah, I remember that. I also remember how you were scared for me. You tried to hide it. You always do. I can't remember the first time I knew what you were feeling. All I remember is being glad I could understand you. Brian, you always act so calm and collected but I know you have as many doubts as the rest of us. Right now, despite myself, I'm happy, and Don knows it. She's the only person in the world who can make me feel anything but pain right now. I love her more than I can comprehend, and I don't know what I'm going to do without her. 
Thinking past today is hard for me. Never have I thought about what I'd do if I lost Dawn. The possibility had never crossed my mind. While I suppose it should have, considering how dangerous this world is, Dawn has always been so strong, so I always thought she would make it. Brian, I don't think I have that long left. I want you to make a few promises to me before I go, okay? Fear grips my stomach. I don't know what promises she wants from me, but knowing her, they'll be hard to fulfill. When I look at her, I know she understands that I'd do anything she asked. Listen to me. I want you to move on. You aren't the only one who's going to lose loved ones from this disease. You've talked to me so many times about your desire to help others once you reach Beaver Island. Don't change your plans to save people like us. Let someone find a happy ending through you. Even if you save one couple, it'll be worth living for it. I'm not sure how, but she knows that deep down I was planning on killing myself after I killed her. Why would she make me promise to live? She loves me. So how does she not understand that without her, there's no reason to live? She's so kind, even when she's dying, she's thinking about others. I could search the world a hundred times over and never find anyone as special as her. If I'm going to live, it can't be for myself. The only way I can honor her wish is to save others. But the moment she dies, so do I. Brian, one other thing. I want you to live for yourself, not others. You may want to die, or you may want to save others. I want you to promise me that your life will be more important to you than the lives of others. Dawn's intuition was always sharp. Even now, in the midst of everything, she's reading my mind. Dawn is my world. It doesn't matter that I've only known her for a few months. This disaster has brought us close, and without her in my life, I have a hard time imagining ever being happy again. The promise she wants me to make means I'll have to try to become happy again. Even if I try my hardest, I don't think I'll feel any happiness for a long time. If it's her dying wish, I'll have to fulfill it, even if I don't believe I can ever be happy again. Don was always better at these things. Don looks up at me, her eyes are starting to turn red, and I know she doesn't have long. She stares at me, waiting for an answer, and I know I have to give her one. Yes, I'll do everything, Don. I'll save every person I can for you, I promise. Though I don't ever see myself happy without you by my side, I swear I'll try. Every morning, I'm going to wake up wishing you were in my arms, and no matter what you say, that's never going to change. I love you, Don. I lean over and kiss her as I say this, and despite my best efforts, tears stream down my face. Don smiles. She gives me a look that tells me she loves me. Her eyes were so beautiful before, but now they're red and full of fear. Brian, I'm so tired. I want one last thing from you, though. Waiting a few seconds, I watch Don. Wait until I'm asleep. I don't want to know it's coming. Going in my sleep would be so nice. I nod and run my fingers through her hair, ignoring the clumps that fall out as if they're nothing. Of course, Don. I'll wait till you're sleeping. Dawn, please remember, I'll always love you. Dawn's tears roll down my chest, and somehow I know they aren't all tears of sadness or fear, but some of happiness. She's scared, but I also think she's ready for the end. 
Rocking her and running my fingers through her hair, I hum to help Don fall asleep. My nerves are tingling. They feel like they'll explode. I don't want to do what comes next. What feels like an eternity passes before Don's eyes start to close. Her mouth moves, and I hear her muttering. So I lean closer to her. Goodbye, Brian. I love you. The tears stream down my face, and I kiss her one last time. When I'm sure she's asleep, I lay her down and look at her one last time. She's pale and missing clumps of hair, but to me she's still beautiful. Memorizing every detail of her, I burn her into my mind, knowing that whenever I go to sleep or close my eyes, I'll see her like this. I pull my gun from its sheath and place it next to her head making sure to line it up for a clean shot. The last thing I want is for my hesitation to cause her any more suffering. She'll feel nothing. In the blink of an eye, it'll all be over for her. Goodbye, Dawn. I'll never forget you. My eyes want to close, but I refuse to let them. Pulling the trigger, I end Dawn's life with a loud bang. Thankfully, I'm spared seeing her brains splatter across the concrete since I make sure to turn the other way, knowing I'm not strong enough for that sight. I rise to my feet and manage to take two steps before I throw up. It feels like I'm being torn apart. Dawn is dead. I'll never again talk to her, laugh with her, or cry with her. Never again will I kiss, hug, or spend the night with her. We'll never have children or a home. All I'll ever have with her now are memories. Dawn deserves to be buried, but I know I can't do that. I'm not strong enough to look at her. Not with gore and brain everywhere. I don't want anything to mar the memory of her beauty. Struggling to the boat, I realize that I have to make sure she's dead. If I don't, I'll spend the rest of my life thinking she lived or that I caused her pain. Taking a deep breath, I turn around and see her. If it weren't for the blood to the side of her head, I'd think she was sleeping. Her eyes are closed and there's a soft smile on her face. When I check her pulse, I find none. Knowing the job is done, I turn from the love of my life and walk to the boat in a grief-filled stupor. When I get there, the others approach me. Melanie is the first to reach me and I tell her where Dawn is and ask her to bury her. She has tears in her eyes, but she nods. The others leave me alone, and I find a quiet section of the boat and collapse into unconsciousness, hoping that the stillness of sleep will give me some rest. Even in my dreams, I find no relief. I dream of dawn and see her lying there on the concrete, pale skin and red eyes. Over and over, she asks me why as I shoot her in the head, ending her life. The pain of having to watch her die again and again causes me to scream in pain for what seems like an eternity. At some point, I realize I'm no longer sleeping, and I have to force the screaming to end. The nightmares I was having seem to last forever, but it looks like the sun has only been down a few minutes at most. My nerves are frayed and my body is exhausted, but I know better than to try and sleep. The others on the boat are silent. They might be grieving as well, but more likely they're avoiding me. Even in my state, I realized how crazed I am now, and I can't blame the others for staying away. 
With nothing else to do, I look toward the town, hoping there is a paleman I can kill. Killing them is the only satisfying thing I can do. It may not be the carrier's fault, but I don't care. I want to tear apart anyone with the paleman disease. To me, they're no longer people. They're the infection that killed Dawn, an infection I want to wipe out. There's movement in the town, and a part of me perks up in hopes of slaughtering a paleman. Even now, though, my rationale remains intact, and I know that any moving figures might mean danger. I raise the alarm. The others join me to see the incoming figures. When the others come, I notice that Aaron and Sophia are nowhere to be found. Only now do I realize I never stopped to think if he made it or not. Now that I see the figures in the distance, I can't help but think it must be him. When the figure gets closer, though, I see by the way it's walking that it's indeed a person, but it seems to be carrying a body. The body might be Sophia. If she was infected like Dawn, he must have chose to spend her last moments by her side as well. Why would he carry the body all the way over here, though? It makes no sense. It's Aaron. Looks like Sophia's on his back, Melanie says, staring down the lens of her camera. Our group can do nothing but wait. If Sophia is dead as well, I'm not sure I can bury her. If she was infected, seeing her might remind me of Dawn. Since I can't do anything else, I wait for them to approach. Why would he bring her body here? What is he doing with Sophia? She's either dead or turned. There's no way she could have made it this long without the infection taking over. There's no surviving the infection. No delaying it. A single bite means certain death. If she's still alive and infected, I have to be ready to do what he cannot. When he reaches the boat, I notice that Sophia is still breathing. I ready myself for what I have to do. She's immune, Aaron says. Is it even possible that someone can be immune? I realize then that the infection is a disease. It may be incurable, but that doesn't mean it always infects. Just because I haven't seen it before doesn't mean it's impossible to resist the disease. Those three words sever what remains of my nerves. My mind snaps and I fall into a dark fog, unsure of who, what, or where I am. There is only darkness, grief, anger, and hatred. The darkness eats away at my soul, but I refuse to let it destroy me. Dawn! I scream over and over into the fog, remembering my promise to her and trying to still the rage emanating from every fiber in my body. There's no answer, and there never will be. This has been the Rage A Story of Survival podcast, episode 17. Hope you enjoyed, and if you did, I hope to see you on the next one. Hey, you still with me? If you listen this far into the podcast, you must have enjoyed my content. If you enjoy my work and what I am doing here, you should check out the bonus episode of this series. It is the intro to the next book I am writing. If you want to learn more, you should come listen to it and check it out.